Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN, Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast with your host Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner, and behind the scenes, the intern gets a shout out today because he's coming in clutch, and that is the leader in the clubhouse for his nickname. If you're in premium Slack, they really like they really like Hank. I put I dropped them both in there, so. We got two Henrys, so we got two nicknames we're going through. So it's going to be fun. It's become a little uh, little shtick on the podcast where we're going to allow people on Twitter to help help name the intern, give nicknames to the interns, only nice things, right? They can be a little funny, right? We had Hype Train back in the day, Jake and I had with Chris Schubert. Shout out to Shuby, shout out to Shuby because we missed that guy. Um, we had, but he was the ultimate hype train. That was a great nickname. So we had, we really got to try and live up to those standards. So Henry has been clutch so far. So that is the leader in the clubhouse. And, uh, I wanted to kick things off with, with that. Cause that's, it's been a fun dialogue back and forth for all of us, but unfortunately we got to start with injury news because it's that time of the year. There's a lot of stuff going on, right? There's a lot of things happening, a lot of updates throughout training camp, especially now that the guys are officially in pads, um, and, and that's where we are. So we're going to talk about some of the bigger fantasy impact, fantasy relevant ones, and then ones that are going to impact teams because we've already had quite a few things happening in Dallas that we're worried about, right? So you're, you're already down, Gerald McCoy. You're already talking about, Jake, you're the person who's kind of led this conversation of, hey, I really like what Dallas has if they stay healthy, right? They lose Gerald McCoy. Lyle Collins got into a car wreck this morning, which hopefully he's okay. They're saying he's fine, right? That you got Tyron Smith not practicing. They already have guys on their roster, other guys that are injury prone, right? Guys that don't necessarily make it through the season. So let's kick things off with the Cowboys. Now that you've got even more to add to this, how concerned are you with them? Uh, Enough. You know, Tyron Smith's not dealing with the back from last year that he played through, uh, but He's one of the best left tackles in football. He's got to be out there, got to be healthy. Lyle Collins, they re-signed. He gets in a car wreck. They say he's okay, but it was a pretty massive wreck, what was reported this morning. Uh, they just can't afford to have this many. They're great on paper, but this offensive line is not what it was a few years ago. It doesn't have the same pieces it had a few years ago, and it has to have all that continuity for Zeke's fantasy value, for Dak's fantasy value, for these receivers' fantasy value, and for them to win games. And I've already talked about their front seven. They cannot afford any more injuries on that front seven. And they got a bunch of older guys, and, and some of which are injury prone. So here we go. We put on pads, and, and there's more and more guys hurt. But I think this – it's something to pay attention to. It doesn't scare me yet, but it, it's concerning knowing they can't afford to have that many. Yeah, I'd kind of I was going to say, can you put a temperature gauge on this? Like, let's go one, like a one to five. Like, are you at a one and a half? Or are you – like, wh- where are you right uh, now with where it sits? I'm probably at a two, but we need to we need to see how this goes. There, there's this conflict I'm having internally because the reality is, kickoffs in three weeks from right now. Yes. I mean, the first time for the Houston Kansas City plays three weeks from today. Uh, when we're recording this, if you're not listening to the podcast the same day we record, this is Thursday. Uh, so we don't have it's you kind of have to recalibrate our gauges a little bit because we get training camp injuries every year. But it's like, okay, well, there's a camp injury early, but we'll pay attention because you know you're going to have the four preseason games and you're going to have extra time. We don't have that extra time. Uh, and, and for a lot of these guys, because there's no preseason, they might just take it easy given everything that's happened around this offseason. And we might not see some of the guys. We might not see a Miles Sanders again until the week of week one. We might not see some of these players. So we're not going to really know how hurt some of these guys are or how some of these guys might be getting – coaches might be covering for how hurt they are. And so yeah. I'm not freaking out yet, but if we're still sitting here in a week and a half before we, and we don't know what's going on with Smith and we don't know what's going on with some of these other guys, then I'd be a little bit more concerned. And then we'll talk about some other fantasy relevant guys later, but 
I'm cautious. I'm paying attention, but I, I'm not panicked yet. But I think we do need to kind of recalibrate our gauges a little bit. This is not an early training camp injury. This is a training camp injury, essentially like week two of the preseason is yes. kind of what we're dealing with right now. So we have to kind of remember that, that, you know, we have to be a little bit more cautious. And again, uh, I, I know we're talking about offensive line here, but that does affect Ezekiel Elliott, it affects Dak Prescott, it affects, affects the entire Dallas offense. But why I am pounding the table, please, 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 if you can, draft in September, draft Labor Day weekend or a couple of days afterwards if you can. Don't do your drafts right now. So much is going to change between now and then. There are going to be a lot of injuries. Uh, and just as late as you can push it, I would push it. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where, and I, and I know you brought up kind of where we were going to start there and that's, that's where I think this conversation needs to head, right? Which is with Miles Sanders, traditionally you're getting preseason time to watch these guys come back from a training camp injury, potentially play a little bit, or at least have more updates. We're not getting any of that because there's less media access. There's less coverage. There's more secrecy. There's more, there's just less information for us. So when you evaluate a guy like a Miles Sanders, right, I'll, I'll start with you, Jake. When you're already seeing issues, right, when you're already seeing injury concerns, and let's say we get nothing between now and the kickoff or now and when you're going to draft, right, how does that impact your strategy? Because that's where I want this conversation ahead because I'm already getting friends texting me going, hey, I was thinking about keeping Miles Sanders. Now I'm thinking about keeping somebody else because it's like they're already starting to feel this, this pressure because they're not, they're not getting the amount of information they're used to about these players. And it's going to impact how you draft. I wouldn't touch where I have him now, which is second round somewhere. Uh, but something to pay attention to. I mean, I think he showed them enough down the stretch last year, and they know they're not very deep at the position. He's their dude. He's their horse. They're counting on him to do a lot in this offense. Uh, so while he might be riding a bike for a couple of days with trainers and they'll be easing him back in, I think they're doing that on purpose. I don't think they're that worried about the injury. They're worried about week one. He knows the offense. I'm sure they'd love to have more reps. Every coach wants more reps. Uh, he doesn't concern me as much, but it's another thing. It's just another lukewarm thing to pay attention to. I, I wouldn't move anywhere that I have him yet. We are still three weeks out. I mean, you could pull a hamstring tomorrow and still play week one. Uh, but as Jamie hit, hit the nail on the head, like people think like we still got a long way to go. This is crazy world we're living in. Dude, it's three weeks from tonight. And we're going to talk about some guys on the chiefs in a minute that are hurt. And that one, I really want to pay attention to like, it's yeah. more of like winning games than, uh, than their fantasy value. But like, dude, you can't, you can't have that much more go on between now and the first week of the season and it not really affect you. Yeah, not really affect you and not really affect your draft strategy. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't tell people to do things that I wouldn't do. And when I see injury concerns already, that gives me hesitation. That gives me hesitation. That gives me a second to pause and go, okay, if I evaluated this guy and this guy really close to each other, this guy now maybe gets the bump, right? I'm looking at, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at two guys. I'm going, okay. I like mixing. I like my, I like, you know, wherever you have your guys rated, if I got a guy who's staying clean through training camp, he's going to get a bump from me because I don't know what the hell's going on from a, I'm not going to see it. We're not going to, we might not see anything from Miles Sanders from now until the beginning of the season. He might come out and be fantastic, but he could also be more injured than we know. And yeah, that's, two, that's, that's kind of where I'm sitting with this. Two things to that page is a great point. If, if you wait till week one, one, your, your carries and catches are going to be, your touch is going to be limited. Two, you have a chance of re-injuring that thing if you haven't gone out and had a full scrimmage practice, that kind of stuff, before week one happens. So that's a great point. I would give – I wouldn't move where I necessarily have him, but if I've got a guy equal and they're both there, I'd take the other guy for sure. That's kind of where, that's kind of where I wanted to, to head with this because I think there's, there's plenty of guys in that running back kind of category that fit this like, hey, I'm, I'm looking at this guy. I'm evaluating this guy. If you got a guy who hasn't had an injury – you got to factor that in throughout this process. And I know we're excited about Miles Sanders and hopefully there's nothing there. And hopefully we do see him practice again, but I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see it because if I was the Eagles, I'd be taking this really cautiously because of how much they need him from a football perspective. Jamie, have you looked at your rankings and thought to yourself, okay, this is going to impact where I have him. Not yet. Uh, I, I like the, the concept of it being a tiebreaker. If you have him like really close to another back, but I think it's so easy 
to overcorrect on the other side too with some of these other injuries. I think you have to be careful, like making a decision about whether or not you're going to keep Miles Sanders. I doubt you had somebody else that was that close to them. Uh, I'm not keeping a player significantly worse or three or four running back rankings lower than him just because of this. It's still something to monitor. And from a, from a big football standpoint, from an Eagle standpoint, it's something to monitor because because of their cap situation and because of their future cap situations and some of the carryover they want to have, they don't really have a veteran presence there. They got Boston Scott, they got Corey Clement, but they don't have a lot of other pieces there that you can trust uh, for behind Miles Sanders if he misses significant time. So, uh, you know, that's just something that you have to keep an eye on. He's still my RB12. Uh, I take him in the, the mid to late second round. I'm not dropping him just yet, but it's just definitely something that you monitor going into it. But I don't want to over panic either uh, at this yeah, point. So absolutely. hopefully you're not making major roster or major keeper decisions at this stage uh, for the season. Absolutely. It's why I've been advocating and Jamie advocated at the beginning. Hey guys, wait as long as you can before you draft so that you have all the information that you possibly can get, because this isn't, this is going to be, there's a long, I know it's three weeks from today and we said it's not that far away, but it's going to be a long three weeks of updates. There's going to be a lot of information that happens from then and now, and a lot of things, a lot of potential injuries, a lot of updates, a lot of like, just take as much time as you possibly can and, and while three weeks seems like not that far, I know because I don't have any football, I'm going to be staring at a clock just waiting, tick, 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 until I can actually get to that point. Uh, Jamie, you brought up very quickly, um, we'll get into this injury, which happened today in practice, Thursday in practice for the Chiefs. Tyreek Hill in a drill, one-on-one, uh, gets a right leg injury, um, walks off on his own, but they're listing it as a right hamstring injury. Uh, how concerned are you with that? Or you want more information? I want more information, but I, I think you have to, when, you, when you're parsing the top wide receivers, this was a conversation that uh, you and I had actually, Paige, on our Fantasy Mailbag show when the big debate between Julio Jones versus Tyree Kill that, that played out in the TDN Premium Slack channel. You know, at this stage in their career, an I actual more, debate? Uh, there was, apparently. There. <laughs> uh, for fa- to me, at this, at this stage of their careers, I feel way more comfortable. One, I would take Julio Jones anyway. But two, I feel way more comfortable with Julio Jones' health at this stage than I do Tyreek Hill's. Uh, I, I projected Julio Jones to play 16 games. I think I've, I've gone between 14 and 15 for Tyreek Hill in my projections. Still be obviously very explosive in those games, but this is something you have to worry about. He missed some time last year. You know, he's, his speed is his game. I mean, that, that is what he does. That's not breaking news. I'm not, not – professing anything anybody doesn't know out there i'm cautious but i don't know if i'm going to drop him behind some of the other guys but i do understand maybe if you're thinking you're at the end of the first round you want to take another running back instead of grabbing him uh, i would understand that but this is something you have to kind of know about going in you have to factor in you're probably going to miss a couple games from tyree gill it's just the factor of the way he plays and the history that he has but uh it's something i want to monitor obviously this just happened like you know, minutes before we started recording. So we don't have a lot of information. Apparently he jogged off, uh, but just didn't come back to practice, which is not a surprise. Um, so we'll see like, something to monitor, keep an eye on, but I'm not dropping him significantly, but I think it's just a reminder that he does carry a little bit more injury risk than the Michael Thomases of the world and the Julio Joneses of the world and some of the other top receivers. Now, so does Devontae Adams, but he's not Devontae Adams either. But, you know, yeah. but still, it's something you have to factor in when you're taking him because he is going in the first round of a lot of drafts and you have to be very, very confident if you're going to take him in that back part of the first round. Yeah. If he's healthy, I'm not touching him in the first round, period. I mean, I, he just – every time I can take him, there's somebody I like a lot more, all the mocks that I'm doing. And he's gone by the time it rolls around the second or that late first, that's fine. I'll let somebody else have him. Superstar player, speed guy, soft tissue, hamstrings, it happens. When it happens a lot, scar tissue pops off and it feels like a pulled hamstring. You only miss a day or two. Not a big deal. If he pulls it in a different place and it's just a little twinge, that can last up to a week. They play three weeks from tonight, we just said. There's definitely something to keep an eye on here, and he definitely misses time here and there. They don't have the deepest receiving core in the world anyway. They keep People keep talking about that they do. You take Tyree Kill off that field, it's not very deep. No, the reason they talk about it like that is because everyone evaluates Travis Kelsey like a wide receiver, right? They like lump him into the wide receiver room. He's a tight end, right? I get that he plays like a receiver and he, you know, it's, it's different because of that. But the reality is if you take Tyree kill away, that, that actual wide receiver room, right? Not including Travis Kelsey is very light. There's not a lot there. That's the low key, like thing people don't want to talk about with the chiefs right now. And again, when you have an, 
elite's not even a good enough word to describe Patrick Mahomes. But when you have an elite quarterback, it masks a lot of flaws. When you don't have Tyreek Hill in the field, yes, Travis Kelsey's all world. But the, the options behind him, Sammy Watkins is, will always be more in name value than he will be in actual production. That is, that is going to be the story of his career for one reason or another. And you he know, hasn't Harden, practiced in yeah, the last he, And he's days. hurt too. Yes. Nicole Hardman, I, I like his potential upside, but he's never going to be a complete receiver. He's going to be just another Tyreek Hill clone, a guy that you can use in different formations. Again, I like him in that offense, but he's not a wide receiver too, or he, probably even a wide receiver three. He might be very productive at times because he'll be explosive in that offense. But And then when you have Byron Pringle after that, you know, you have rookie Clyde Edwards-Hilaire running back, and then you have Daryl Williams. I mean, like th- this Chiefs team – when they're not healthy, I mean, they have two big playmakers on offense. I guess three if you consider Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at this point. But that is what they have. And, again, that's perfectly fine when everybody's all healthy and Mahomes is slinging it around. But when you take some of those pieces out of that offense, it concerns you a little bit. They're still, it's still the Chiefs. They're still going to win that division. They're, I'm not freaking out about that aspect of it. But if we're trying to poke holes in an elite team here, or maybe poke holes in the difference between being the number one seed and getting a bye and being the number two seed and having to play on wild card weekend – you know, you now have – you've lost two major pieces off your offensive line. If Hill misses time, you know, if Edward Teller takes a, a, just a second to kind of get adjusted to the NFL, again, we continue to just pretend that these guys are going to – these great rookies are just going to step in with a, a four-week off-season program and just be great right away. I, I think that's extremely unlikely to happen. There could be some bumps in the road early, and we've seen bumps in the road from Kansas City last year at times. So yeah, it's something to be – cautious about but I mean again they have a long way to fall because they are as talented as they are but it's a really top heavy offense if you think about it and there's nothing wrong with that but when those guys get hurt it kind of exposes some of the flaws that are underneath which is they don't have a ton of depth at those skill positions at, at those skill positions right now which they can't because they're spending money on superstars all over the field now at, at tight end at quarterback at, on defensive line I mean you're, you're paying a lot of people a lot of spots which you have to do but the depth on that team is lacking a little bit, which is to be expected when you come off the Super Bowl runs have to start paying guys. Let me ask you guys this. You pick an 11 in a 12-team league. Half-point PPR. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or Tyreek Hill? I'm taking Edwards-Hilaire. I, 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 uh, I lean that it's way, back, but Running back's too thin and receiver's too freaking heavy, man. I, I don't Probably. think it's that close. I don't think it's that close. Probably. I mean, you flip that thing around and you grab Aaron Jones – you're you're pretty set. And yeah, you I, I, just, I, I, I can't bring myself yeah. to take Tyreek Hill there in that situation. I still probably would take Hill, but it, it's close. It's close. I just, I still, it's closer. I, it's closer than I draft- yeah realized until you just. I'm said just it still like worried that. we're we're drafting Clyde edwards hilaire at his absolute best case Peak. scenario. Yes. We're giving ourselves no room for him to have any adjustment period. That's my only concern. But like like right now, for example, I, I have I have Hill. 10th but i have derrick henry 11th joe mixon 12th like i at this point if you have on draft day i would probably take one of those running backs at that spot yeah yeah uh and by the way just for a cheap plug because this is this scenario does play out tomorrow so friday on the draftnetwork.com i did a full 16 uh 12 team 16 round ppr mock that's going to be up on the site and you could see kind of some of the different scenarios that start to play out. And I'll, then I'll break down each of the 12 teams and what I liked, what I don't like, uh, strengths, weaknesses. But you could kind of see what happens where you draft a couple running backs early. What happens? What happens if you go wide receiver, wide receiver? What if you go running back, wide receiver? What if you get really weird and go wide receiver, top tight end? Like, what does that roster look like? Where, where are some of the pitfalls? I think it will give you at least an idea of if you are somebody that likes to have a strategy for those first couple rounds. Like, I want to take these two positions. Here's what, the, here's what the potentially happens later in those middle rounds that you have to do to either make up for it or to here are some things you have to avoid that I wasn't able to avoid as a middle round team that took those players. So something that uh, I think would be a really interesting resource for everybody to use, uh, thedraftnetwork.com tomorrow. No, I'm excited for that, Jamie. I didn't even know that was coming. So that's a good, that's a good teaser. I'm excited to see that and uh, see you break down. I think those are the fun scenarios to look at. What happens if you go wide receiver early? Okay, well, this is what's left for you when, you, when it comes back around from a running back perspective, right? Those are some of the questions it's, it's good to get into and, and good to pay attention to. Uh, Jamie, we talked about all the injury updates. We are getting into AFC East and NFC East biggest fantasy questions by division you are going to lead this conversation so i'm giving my hosting authority to you which terrifies me but go ahead jamie you are in charge for right now 
Yes. <laughs> if only no. you could see uh, the video. <laughs> uh, so let's start with the New England Patriots. And, and I wrote about this. You can read some of these uh, at thedraftnetwork.com as well. But I want to kind of start a conversation because uh, I think we kind of get into some of the things that we maybe haven't touched on in a little bit or have talked about in a while. But let's start with New England. And obviously there are a ton of questions all over the field for this team. But the biggest one is simple, and we should revisit this conversation as now we're a few weeks past the hype. What can we reasonably expect from Cam Newton this season from a fantasy perspective? Uh, and particularly, not only with his ranking, but in terms of the other two guys I think are going to be the main focus of what he does production-wise, James White and Julian Edelman. Uh, Jake, I'll take this one first. Um, I am I am out on Cam. Right. I have watched it. I have seen all the video clips. I've, I'm listen. I know Jared Stidham. It's Thursday. Like Jamie was talking about, I know Jared Stidham threw two bad interceptions today at practice. I saw new England media blowing that up and talking about how they need to watch cam more and this and the other thing. But from all accounts of what I've seen, they're mono mono practicing the same amount. There isn't one definitive guy over the other. I just don't want, I just don't trust this situation. I don't trust Belichick. I don't trust that he's not going to pull some crazy two quarterback BS at some point throughout the season. And I don't trust Cam. I, I haven't seen Cam be elite for a long time. And I don't just think he's going to walk into New England and change everything about himself to fit that system, to be a part of that. And I don't really like everything that they have in the arsenal for him. So I just, I get it. It's Cam. He's exciting and fun and dancing and whatever. Take all that aside Strictly football perspective, he's had bad injuries. We haven't seen him with a good shoulder in a long time, okay? I saw what his, what his throwing motion looked like last year in the small sample size that we watched. It's just, I get the name value. I just don't want to touch this. Like, I, 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 you're fine. If you want to take a chance on him, whatever, that's your prerogative. If I'm telling anybody that's, that I care about in giving them fantasy advice, I'm telling them, if you want to take a chance on Cam, that's on you, but it's going to spite you, I think. And just, just don't do it, right? That's, that's where I am on this. And I like, it's, it's not a personal thing with Cam, which it always turns into people are like, oh, you guys don't like Cam. No, I just don't like Cam on, in the football atmosphere. That's it. I don't, want, I, don't want him, I don't want to roster him on my team. So that's, that's where I sit with Cam. Here's my analysis. Amen. Amen. You hit the nail on the head. Like that, that is a big question. If he plays all 16 games, he's not a QB one. He's not, and he's not going but to, even, but even if he is like, and I think this is a scenario we need to play out. Even if he is, what is he going to be? Maybe QB nine, QB 10 That's in the a, context yeah. of how deep the position is. You, you there, there, there's not gonna be much difference between him and Roethlisberger or Stafford or Goff or Wentz or Rodgers or any of these other guys that are in that spot right now. They're just in a single QB league. There's so many quality options that there are more than 12 quality options. I mean, there are 15 guys I would be okay starting my 15 or maybe even 16 guys I would start my season with and be okay with in a, in a single quarterback league. And so, 15 of those 16 have less risk than Cam Newton. Yeah. I'm still not so convinced just, he's going to win the job. Yeah, so to me, it's just that I, I'm not somebody I'm taking. If you're in a two-QB league and, you, you know, you're outside the top 20, 20-ish quarterbacks and you're taking and want to take a chance on somebody, okay. But to me, that's the only scenario where I'm rostering him. And as far as Edelman and, and White, they're still, you know, wide receiver three, RB three territory for me. I don't think they change. Uh, their roles are going to be what their roles are. Yep. Uh, moving on to Buffalo and uh, their brand-new stadium that is going to be called Bill Stadium. Uh <laughs> Will new additions, Zach Moss and Stephon Diggs, sap the fantasy value of the holdovers? So Zach Moss is obviously a rookie running back that looks like they're going to maybe use him in the Frank Gore role that they had last year. So does Devin Singletary not get to be that lead back or more so doesn't get to the goal line touches that he might need to be a weekly starter? And Cole Beasley, John Brown, both were fantasy relevant last year. Both had north of 100 targets, but now you're adding Stephon Diggs in this offense, and the Bills don't exactly throw 600 times. So what do you think about the new additions to the team, and are you worried about any of those three holdover guys from last year that did have some fantasy value? Yes, kind of. I'm not that excited about any of them anyway, but where you're getting John Brown a lot of these mocks, I'd love to have him on my bench. I think it affects John Brown less than it affects Cole Beasley. Uh, having Diggs there. I, I think Diggs is going to be what he is, but John is, if John stays healthy, which he proved he could do last year, he's dynamic. He runs every route and he has trust with the quarterback already. 
Beasley has trust in that slot role, but it's very limited on situationally. If it's third and four or stuff like that, where you're not going to throw a full route to digs. You're not running a seven step drop. You're not play action on third and four, that kind of thing. Um, Singletary is interesting. He was really good last year, but I don't think any of us think he's going to carry the load. They need a complimentary no. piece. So I don't think it really changes where I see him at all. Uh, even if he does get some more goal line carries, I'm not sure that it really affects me. I'm not sure where I have him other than a potential flex piece and definitely not a weekly starter anyway. I don't think it really affects that to me very much at all. Yeah, I envision I'm, – I'm with Jake on the Singletary. That's the more interesting dynamic here for me when I'm looking at the two running backs, and I think he's going to play a part. We saw it with Frank Gore last year, and I think that's going to happen again this year. They drafted him. They're excited about him. By all accounts, if you're watching all the beat reporters in Buffalo, he's going to play a part in this offense. So I'm – and my trusty guy, Joe Marino, says there's a lot of excitement. Okay, Joe Marino from the Draft Network, who's Buffalo Bills guy, follows everything that's going on there. He said, listen – don't think that Singletary is all of a sudden going to become this elite guy in this offense. They're going to spread it around. And they did it last year with Frank Gore, who I have taken my lumps on for calling him freezer burn ice cream like five years ago. Back okay, in Back in the day. And I deep said cut. that was that it was a deep cut. Like, I just – I'm sorry, Frank. That was so rude that I did that to you. And you just continued to play and be a, a professional. So, I'm sorry for that. And – I think Devin Singletary I'm excited about, but I'm not – I know that Zach Moss is going to play a part in this offense. Much better football team because of those yes. two additions. They, they upgraded adding those guys. From a non-fantasy value, they are better with those guys on there for sure. Yeah, and, and I think the addition of Moss kind of keeps Singletary's value where it should be. Because uh, I think if they didn't draft a running back, the hype on him would have been out of control yes, going into this point. year. So great I think point. it's kind of kept him where he should be, which is a, a, an intriguing potential weekly flex play, depending on the matchup. Guy you'd love at the top of your bench, bi-week fill-in type. Uh, and I'm with you, Jake. I think John Brown is one of the best values at wide receiver in the draft. I, I will get him on the bench in a lot of leagues. I, I like that a lot. Uh, let's move on to the Jets. And if you've read any of my writing on the draftnetwork.com, you know exactly how I feel about this because this has been one of the things I've preached for a while. But the big question is this. Will Le'Veon Bell bounce back this season? Yes, is the short answer. Uh, I really, I really, he looks, it almost looks too light to me. He lost a can bunch I, of can weight. Can I ask, can I, I'm going to interrupt you. What does bounce back mean? Because I think this is, this is the problem that I have here with this terminology, right? Because people have Le'Veon Bell Steelers in their head. And that's just, no. not, I just don't think that that's attainable, right? So give context into what bounce back means, because I do agree with you that he's going to be better this year, but also make sure people understand what that looks like, because I think people still have, Steelers Lev Bell in their head. Well, yeah, no. Top 14 uh, running back? Yeah, like he's not okay. going to be a uh, – he's not going to go be number one again. I'm trying to see where he is right now in ADP because I think he's going – Jake, uh, okay, where do you so have right, – like, yeah, I was going to say, where do you – I got him top to, 14 running back. So if it's bounce I, back is like ba base, basically being RB1-ish. Yeah, low, yeah, yeah like I, right on – fighting for that borderline RB1 spot. Right now he's going as the 18th running back off the board. Yes, I, I got him higher than that. So bounce back is him being higher than that. Absolutely. Uh, I think he's still got the focal point of that offense. I think Sam Darnold staying healthy. Uh, the checkdowns, he seems a lot more motivated. Uh, even though he got in some of the Twitter stuff with Jamal Adams, he's been very quiet. He's like, okay, I'm going to go about my work. And as a dude that came in the league heavy and then lost weight, he looks even leaner than that. And when he did that the first time around, he lowered his injury risk, but he was freaking explosive as all get out. And it didn't matter how many touches he had. Uh, I think all that's going to matter. I think he's motivated to get his name back up there. He's a professional and he's kind of been like the forgotten man. I like all that. I think all that's a motivating factor uh, for him being the powerhouse of this offense. Yeah, it's, um, it's it. I, I, I asked that question to you guys specifically because I've seen a lot of this conversation about him, right? And it's been all over the place. And I also know I have a bunch of, uh, we have a big, big Steelers audience that listens to this podcast. A lot of people in Pennsylvania, a lot of people in New York. And I think there's, there's in a, a Un, not a misunderstanding of what bounce back means. So that's why I asked for that. I agree with you guys. I think he's going to be in that category. I just want everybody to understand what bounce back means and that we're James never. James Conner or Le'Veon Bell? Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell. Absolutely. I'm talking about where you can get them. I think one of the steals of the draft 
because you're not getting starting running backs that are three down guys in rounds four and five. Yeah. He's one that keeps falling that I keep seeing there going, well, damn, I figured he'd be off the board by now. How, how did I not lo- you know, look down the list? As Jamie warns us every week, look farther down the list than some of these people yeah. have him ranked. And he's there. Yeah. And it's yeah, shocking to me. Yeah, because right now his ADP is right around the end of round three, early round four. I mean, on average, which means he's gonna yeah. he's gonna fall in some spots there. Uh, though, again, the one thing I'll, I'll remind everybody, and I've talked about positive touchdown regression with a lot of these guys. Uh, Bell was eighth in touches per game in 2019. On his 311 touches, he had only four touchdowns. The other eight running backs with at least 300 touchdowns averaged almost 12. That's not gonna happen again. So what? what and by the way, even with all of that touchdown issues. He finished as the RB15 last year. Again, this is one of those ones where we have to break away from the narrative of what happened around the league and look at what the actual facts of the situation. He's a top By 15. Way, James Conner's catches are coming down. Jalen Samuels yes. is going to be the dude on third down, and maybe more than that, depending on if they're going no huddle, which I can totally see them doing with Ben. He's going to be in there more. And injury risk and all the other stuff. That comes. Like, yeah, I'm okay absolutely. with Connor as a low-end RB2, but that's there's – Inherent risk with, with taking him there. Absolutely. Uh, we'll say that for the AFC North show. But Miami Dolphins, the last one of the AFC East. Uh, this is okay. We've talked about a lot before. Uh, for some reason, the hype hasn't carried over, which is really surprising to me. Can Devontae Parker do it again? And by do it again, wide receiver two territory. Absolutely. freaking Yeah, I think so. I'm all in. I'm, Dude, I'm all in for this. He completely changed the narrative of his career last year and turned into a bona fide star. Uh, him and him and Fitz got some serious chemistry. He was making catches all over the place. He's a freak human being. Like coming out, there's a reason he was a first round pick. Just took him a while to kind of grow into that role, settle into that role. They told you he was going to be a focal point moving forward. They paid him like that. That's all you need to know from the organization because Flores will tell you. If you pay attention, read between the lines a little bit, he'll tell you. Uh, I, I love him. Absolutely do, I think. And that's another one. You're getting way down in drafts. Him and Tyler Boyd, some of these guys, John Brown, you're like, well, how are they still there? Is the yeah. number one option on a team that's going to have to throw. Absolutely, exactly, I think that's, that's the case. That's exactly right. Number one option, value, a guy we've seen do it, chemistry with the quarterbacks, and an elite talent. That's, all, that's, the, that's the analysis. All that, take it, get value, get a guy that you know you've seen do it, and you can always get value on teams that people don't think are going to be very good. That's, that's my analysis. I mean, the, the flip side is if Tua does play early, maybe there's a little bit less because they don't have the chemistry there. But what's a, what's a young quarterback going to do? He's going to force it to the number one guy. He's, gonna, I just don't he's think, still going to get yeah, his target, right? They're talking about freaking Josh Rosen in Miami every day. I don't think we're seeing Tua for a while, man. Like, I, I, like, I just don't – there is I'm no – I'm just playing devil's advocate for Devontae Parker. Like, if, yeah, if there's another like, quarterback, he's still the number one dude. He's going to get his target. He's for think, sure. Just think Nuke Hopkins. If something happens to Deshaun Watson in the last few years – I know he's gone. I'm saying the last few years. He still put up with whoever the quarterback was. He still got his targets and put up numbers. I think that's Devontae Parker at this point. I agree. Yep, I do as well. He's going right now as the wide receiver 25, which surprises me. Last year, he was 13th. Uh, and then if you want to include week 17, he was the wide receiver 11 uh, in fantasy. So very, very, again, where's the ball going? It's Devontae Parker. It's Mike Jusecki. It's Preston Williams. Maybe Matt Breda. Like, that's it. They're, they're, you know, Wilson's gone. You know, Wilson's opt out. Um, Hearns has opted out. Like, there are no other proven weapons there. So, I don't see any reason why on a team that should be throwing a lot late in games, why he should be going as far down the list as he is, which surprises me because usually breakout guys, there's an overreaction the next year. People want to take them way at the top. But, uh, hey, grab him out of value. Uh, I love him where he is right now. All right, let's move on to the NFC East. We'll start with the Philadelphia Eagles. And this is the question that we asked ourselves late last season. It's going to ask it again going into this season. Can we trust any Eagles wide receiver this year in fantasy? No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, y- yes, because Zach Ertz is a receiver in that offense. And, yes, but I no. trust Zach Ertz to put up but big numbers else. and be tight end three. But, no. No. Sean Jackson will have a couple monster games and fall off the earth. Rager's a rookie. Uh, Greg Ward is interesting – but I don't think draftable yet because I don't know that he's going to be on the field while they are healthy. Uh, but no, I, I don't. And Alshon that is Jeffrey be a never running, played wide receiver by games. committee, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, ever, no, I don't trust ever, ever. Alshon Jeffrey dating back to his times in Chicago, where he's always got something to say. He is not available. What do we talk about on the podcast? Best ability is availability. He's never available for sixteen games. It never happens. I don't trust any. And of that's them. the question with this entire receiving core. 
is yes. who's going to be available to have the chemistry with, with Wentz. Ertz, that's it. Zach Ertz. Yeah. It, it really is. I mean, enough I, for you, Jamie? We were both like – I'm so glad no. that question was not about Carson Wentz. <laughs> oh, okay. Me too. Me too. I'm not worried about Carson Wentz. I mean, look, it's just a matter of how many games he plays. But uh, it's, is Quez Watkins not uh, – oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Dallas Cowboys here. And this has been the question that everyone's asked all offseason, so I, I want to know what you, guys, what you guys think on this one. Will C.D. Lamb significantly eat into Michael Gallup's production? Yes. Yes. Because yeah. he's going to play in the slot. Dak likes the slot. Uh, Gallup is on the outside. He goes deep a ton. He's kind of hit or miss anyway. He's really turned into a damn good receiver. But if this defense continues to get any more injuries, this offensive line continues to get any more injuries, they're going to have to throw it. They're going to throw it a lot. If they throw it more than we're expecting them to throw it a lot and they can't run it as much with Zeke, then absolutely it's going to cut into that because he's going to have to go to the slot a ton. Also, I'm buying the hype because I've watched it. I've seen a lot of videos of CD already running around with the Cowboys and they spent significant amount of time. Dak had practices that he was kind of running from his house that he was doing ahead of the camp. Same like Tom Brady. There's already something there and CD looks like everything I wanted him to be. I just didn't want him to be in a Dallas Cowboys uniform. So it's a little, it's a little gross to watch, quite frankly, but man, if he, because of that market, the fact he played in Oklahoma and he's going to play in Dallas is three hours. He's going to be like a superstar status there. If he ends up being Cooper, a, a, so quiet, he's going to be yep. the guy. Here's the thing. Here's the thing from a coaching point of view of why I think this is relevant. His run after the catch ability is insane. The lowest risk throw is to that slot guy who's going to beat man coverage because you can't really cover him out of their man coverage anyway with the ability to get 15 or take it to the house. Whereas Michael Gallup, you're throwing it up down the field, deep post. You're running the nine route down the sidelines. That's a much riskier proposition. You're talking about three or four shots a game. And yes, he developed into more than that last year, but Mark Cooper's back. His role is going to be taking the top off the defense where CD lamb is going to, he's not really a slot guy, but he's going to be spectacular out of the slot, much lower risk throws, easier throws, but it's run after the catch ability when the coaching staff goes, Oh, wow. We talk about this with rugs all the time, right? Rugs are going to run a, a drag rod. He's going to take it to the house with the speed. But, man, CeeDee Lamb's run after the catch, shifty, all the stuff he did last year, you've seen it. And a pretty pretty big body, right? He's not a little tiny little slot guy. Uh, I, I think the coaching staff's going to love that. I think Dak's going to love that. And I think maybe not immediately, but I think absolutely it's going to eat in the gallop. Yeah, Dak already loves it. I'm watching it. I'm I'm buying in. It's I'm I'm buying the hype train one. I'm on I'm on the hype train for this one. Um, I've I've seen enough of it, so I'm buying in, Jamie. Yeah, I'm not quite as worried, only because this offense is going to throw a ton, and Randall Cobb got almost 80 targets last year, uh, in that slot role. So I mean, the, the, you can get a pretty healthy workload for C.D. Lamb and still have enough for Cooper and Gallup. But I'm excited to see how they use all three of those pass catchers. They have a lot of. I mean, we just talked about the start of the show. They have a lot of weapons on that team. Yeah, they do. Um, and if that offensive line is healthy by the time we get into the season, uh, that is a really that's a. We'll talk about it again. This is a team that has the ability to be in the conference championship game. It's whether or not they can actually translate that from on paper to the field, which they were not able to do last year because talent was never uh, an issue on that front. For the New York Giants, let's go with them. There are a lot of questions about the Giants <laughs> as a whole, and I think they're actually this – this team could low-key be – have the worst record in football this year, the way things are going. But uh, that's a conversation for another day. I want to ask you right now because so far, knock on wood, everybody's healthy. How do the Giants coexist and who is benefits if Ingram, Tate, Shepard, Slayton – and Saquon are all healthy for week one or beyond because it has never happened. All five of those guys have never been active for an NFL game at the exact same time. If and when they are, which is right now, they're on track for that to happen in week one. Who benefits, who loses out? How do you handle the situation for fantasy? Uh, one, I don't think it's going to happen long-term, right? I don't think you're going to be worrying about this consistency because they, they've got too many guys that have question marks, right? Um, that, that don't ever play consistently, but let's call it, like you said, if and when week one, who benefits and who doesn't, we're going to have to, the one thing that concerns me with Saquon, right? And I love him, but like the, the ability that he had with Eli that doesn't exist 
right, with, with Danny Dimes. The other part that exists here is that you said there, the, the chemistry that I'm looking for started to build up with Golden Tate. Golden Tate's a guy that I got last year that I waited on, right, because of his four-game suspension. And I think he's the guy that I'll end up liking the most, and I don't know that I'm going to be all in on the other guys as much, right, because I saw that. When he came in, he was super productive. Um, and I, I think from a talent perspective, he's the one that I think will, will be there, will be available, will be playing, and will end up being uh, the guy, aside from Saquon, right? The only thing with Saquon that concerns me is why we were splitting hairs up at the top, right, is we know what he could be with Eli at the high level. It just wasn't replicated with Danny Dimes. Jake, your thoughts? What, who are you going to be high on? Who are you going to be low on? What's your thoughts? Agree wholeheartedly on Golden Tate. I love him as maybe my favorite guy if they're all healthy, uh, just for that same exact reason, slot role. I think he's going to have – I think I love Saquon. I don't think this affects Saquon at all. If they're all healthy, the entire offense goes through Saquon. The coaching staff has told you that. I think Danny Dimes will watch some of that tape of Hopefully. what Eli did because they're trying to get him to cut back on turnovers. Dump it down and let our explosive playmaker go make a play. Let him take the hit. Yes, you can run around. Yes, you can make some stuff happen, but we don't need you to. The rest of those guys, I think, are going to be kind of hit or miss. Um, Evan Ingram, I like, but he's got to stay healthy. He hasn't proven that at all. And now hopefully they'll play him more like a receiver than a straight tight end. And if they go, you know, there's a lot of these teams are talking about 12 personnel. One back, two tight ends. If they do that, I think that really helps him because they can go out on a route and they can keep the other guy in. Um, but I don't think – I agree with you. I just don't think it affects Saquon at all. Everything on this team is going through him. I hope they take that. I hope for Saquon's sake that they do take the step forward, though, that more that Danny Dimes takes the step forward, right? Because it's what, what, what Jamie's talking about, obviously, with, with the Giants and their overall perspective is if he continues to fumble the ball like he did last year, this team is going to be in a world of hurt, right? And so that's like, hey, you got to protect the football. You got you to make more plays with Saquon. Hopefully he watched what was done with Eli Manning and starts to do that a little bit more. And then Saquon is, is the number two, and I'm, I'm all in. I'm, maybe he ends up beating Christian McCaffrey. Who knows, right? I don't think that's going to happen, but who knows? And, and the other guys that you talked about, I think, Evan Ingram, I just don't I, – I know he's not going to play 16 games, right? Like, I, I, that's, it's, it's, it's nice to play out the hypothetical, but I just don't I, – I, I have too much information of him not doing that to buy in golden Tate's suspension was not injury related. Right. So I'm not looking last year. Wasn't him missing games because of his injury. He had PED suspension at the four of those first four games and he came in. And I think he's a guy that I'm, I think we talked about him kind of in that same category as one of the top tier wide receivers. that's kind of getting forgotten about that we can get later on. That's why I like him. And way I, I later like on, him, way later on. And I like him I'm a lot. Him and Jamison Crowder are like rounds 14. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, that's insane. I think it hurts the outside guys more than it hurts the inside guys. Yep. I, I don't think if they're all there together, I don't think it hurts Ingram that much. His targets are going to be the same if he's on the field and everything goes to the off. I mean, they want to, the only way they aren't the worst team or one of the worst teams is not playing complimentary football, turn it over. Who's going to try to run it a ton? There's going to be a bunch of little dump off screen passes. All of that benefits Saquon. Yeah, I think the only player that gets hurt by with everybody being healthy is, is Darius Slayton, which I know there's yeah, a lot of yeah. hype surrounding him, but he was a big play guy. Most of his production came in four games. Uh, for my money, when everybody's healthy, he's the fifth pass-catching option. Uh, and I think yeah, he's the hardest be... one to replicate last year, yeah. right, and the hype that's going around that, I think. Jamie, Jamie's the Debbie Downer in the premium slack about Slayton. Everybody gets all worked up about this, but he's right. The, he's, not, he's not taking reps away from – Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram and Saquon Barkley, if all those guys are healthy, he's the fifth best option there. I just don't get the, I don't get it. I don't, I really, I do not get the hype. I know we work for a draft site, but I think sometimes I have to like remind <laughs> our readers and our listeners that there are good players in the NFL that have been in the league for more than one year. Like yes. it's not all about rookies and sophomores. It's not all about the last two draft classes. There are really good football players that have been in the league for two, three, four, 10, 15 years. Uh, and sometimes I think that's where the value comes because everybody it, it's natural. We live in just in a sports in general, we live in a prospect loving world. And I'm part of that too, of we always want to find the next big thing and they, we will step over uh, quality veteran talents to try to take a, a long shot on a young guy in the hopes that they unknown. Explore. Yep. That's and, why I love being the crotchety old man on the show yep. going, give me the old professional in the slot any day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just, I just want production. 
I want to win. That's Same. all I want to do. I want I want to win my fantasy league. I want to win my fantasy matchups each week. I, I don't want care how guys I do it. I don't have the ability to be on the field and they're going to yes. put up because they're professionals and that's period. I'm with End you. End of story. End Last story. team, let's talk about Washington. Uh this is an interesting one. Uh, obviously, this was before the running back situation, but we've talked about that a lot. So I want to ask this. Will Dwayne Haskins be good enough for us to care about anybody on that team aside from Terry McLaurin? So whether that's Dwayne yes. Haskins himself, whether it's one of the other options, mm. will he be good enough? Yes. I don't think I'm worried about him, but we've talked about your boy and the dude that impressed the hell out. Look, we've all talked about Scary Terry. That dude turned into a freak last year, one of the most well-rounded young guys to come in to do it all at the position, right? No matter who the quarterback was, the dude that flashed at the end of the season, and we're talking about run after the catch, Sims Jr., man, absolutely. If he's actually going to be starting on the other side of Scary Terry on a team that wants to run the ball, those little bubble screens and that kind of stuff to him, yeah, absolutely. And is there somebody else to pay attention to? And that's the guy. Uh, maybe it's just because I watched a video of Alex Smith sl- throwing side-by-side side with Dwayne Haskins where he absolutely airmails the football three times in a row. I'm a more in the maybe category here, um, mostly because I'm, I'm not buying Dwayne Haskins taking a step forward yet, right? And I think that's where we saw Terry, Scary Terry is quarterback proof, okay? It didn't matter what was going on there last year. He was out there doing his thing. I, I lean your way, Jake, but not as emphatically. I'm more in the middle. And like I said, it's probably because I literally, before this, the last thing I watched on Twitter was a clip of Alex Smith throwing a perfect pass <laughs> side by side with Dwayne Haskins. And he airmails three in a row and Alex Smith completes three straight passes. And I know that it's the recency bias in my head that's impacting me, but that's why I'm putting myself in the middle where I'm going, yeah, maybe, not yes. Totally. Here's why, here's why it doesn't matter. Because if you watch those games last year where Sims Jr. was so good and he's so good right after the catch, if Haskins isn't playing good but he's still the quarterback, those bubble screens are much more likely. You're talking about if he gets four or five of those a game and he runs a couple other routes where he might get a target, hell yeah, he's relevant. If Alex Smith is playing, they want the ball out of his hands fast. Yeah. Same exact thing applies. If they start going some RPOs, that kind of stuff, Sims Jr., I don't care who the quarterback is or how good Haskins is or isn't. I think he's relevant regardless if he's on the field. He just, he flashed last year, man. He showed some serious freaking ability and it was all run after the catch, which means you go back to Jarvis Landry early in his career, all those catches within five yards of line of scrimmage, get it out wide and see if you can make somebody miss and make a big play. They're going to need that on this team. I, I, I to me, yes. Okay. He's the all guy. Right. Final Amy? three games last year, Sims Jr. 16 catches, 190 yards, four touchdowns. Um, right. So I mean, he 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 did flash late in the year. I, I, partly, I it's partly unfair question because it's not like there's a ton of other great players on that team. Uh, whether you know, regardless of Haskins, uh, I mean, outside of Steven Sims now, uh, professional wide receiver. I don't know what other way to call him at this point. Uh, Dontrell Inman, who continues to find his way into snaps wherever he goes. You know, it seems like he gets moved moves from team to team all the time. He, you know, he might get some opportunities there. Um, you know, they, you know, rookie Antonio Gandy golden. We'll see how they use Gibson if they line him up at receiver some as well. So, I mean, they have some interesting pieces, but um, I, I am very much in the wait and see on Dwayne Haskins. He's going to be the starter week one. I, I don't anticipate Alex Smith plays an NFL game again, beyond, you know, like I, the scenario I broke down on Tuesday where maybe he comes out and takes a knee or something. Um, Cause I, I think the reality is if Dwayne Haskins is just horrible early Rivera's going to go back to the guy that he knows from Carolina and go to Kyle Allen. Um, so I think that would be the most likely scenario there. So that's a great uh, point. So I, if that happens, I think yeah. Gibson's value, because we're talking, when it's not going to happen in September, Gibson's got four games under his belt as a pro. And he goes back to a guy that just dumped it off to McCaffrey a hundred <laughs> times last yeah. year. And Gibson's got a couple games under his belt. That's another guy I'd be watching to maybe add. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's a great point. If that scenario plays out, I think, I think Gibson's going to be very valuable later. I yeah. just think, I think it's going to take a little while for him to learn the NFL game coming out of the backfield, picking up blitzes, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I forget about Kyle Allen. Yeah, I forget about Kyle Allen there, Jamie. That's a good reminder because I, I as much as Alex Smith, like we said, the story's phenomenal. Um, I just don't envision he's going to be playing in a meaningful football game. I mean, I, for a lot of reasons, but it's just, it's, it's hard to imagine that that's 
that that's going to happen this season. And I, you know, hopefully he's just healthy. That's, that's all I wish for him. Um, as we made ourselves, Jamie, you did an excellent job hosting. You did a really good job. I wanted excellent to make job. golf clap, golf clap, give you a golf clap. You hosted that segment. I really, really enjoyed uh, getting through all those questions. Just to end the pod here, a couple of injury notes just for people to have, right. That uh, intern, intern Henry has been dropping in the chat throughout this podcast, throughout this uh, podcast, AJ Brown will not practice play in the Bengals scrimmage tomorrow, i.e. Friday. Not a big surprise, right? He put shocking AJ Green. AJ Green or AJ Brown. He put AJ Brown won't practice. You meant meant AJ Green. See, Uh Uh come on, man. You're going to lose. You fumbled at the goal line. You reached for the pylon and fumbled it out of the end zone. What are you doing? Laughing so oh, hard. Call you Leon from now on. You just oh. lost clutch, and now you're Leon. We're gonna add Leon to the oh, to the man. list. Oh, AJ man. Green, that's, that's... Oh, Green won't play in the Bengals scrimmage tomorrow. Uh, we talked about it on last the last podcast on Tuesday's podcast. Poor AJ Green cannot keep himself on the field, so just not a big thing to get into there. But our board um, season. Yeah, uh, not injury-related, but Robert Quinn did not practice again today, so potentially COVID-related. Um, not really sure yet on that news, but not injury-related. Um, Browns cornerback Kevin Johnson hospitalized with a lacerated liver. Oh what the hell is God. going on at Browns that practice? Sounds, that yeah, sounds no. horrible. What Joe Judge coaching two teams without now? a massive hit, dude. Like a massive yeah. – I'm, like, I'm struggling with that one. I saw. I read I that earlier Andrew Luck. and went – Back in the yeah. day, and the hit that it took to like lacerate his spleen, a yeah, no lacerated liver. Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, yeah, that, I... that sounds abs- that sounds absolutely horrific. And the last one there, Alex Ofer- Okafer with a calf injury. So not a ton of and of updates that are fantasy related as of right now, but wanted to just give you guys kind of the latest look of of what we have as of uh, almost eleven o'clock Pacific time on Thursday. Jamie, your final thoughts on today's podcast. Uh, my final thoughts are that uh, I would really advise that just to shill again, that you check out that mock draft tomorrow because uh, I broke down every single round for every team going into the pitfalls. You can kind of see how using my rankings and my judgment, how I would do a draft if I picked for every single team and kind of see what you like, what you don't like, potential pitfalls. Okay, this team went wide receiver, wide receiver, and here are the types of players that were available later or could be available later or you know, ask us questions. We do our show every, our, our mailbag show every Friday. Hey, you know, Jamie, why did you take this player in this round? I think all of these things, as Jake always preaches, like do as many mock drafts as you can. And if you can do mock drafts on different sites or using different sites as ADP, do that as well, because we'll continue to say it fairly or unfairly, the league manager that you have, whatever, whether it's ESPN, whether it's sleeper, whether it's whatever it might be, will dictate how your draft goes to some extent. Um, it, it's very important to know that. And uh, actually, our, our intern here is kind of uh, throwing it throwing into us in our last second. Jalen Hurd on IR, which was to be expected um, with that torn ACL and figuring out San Francisco's receiver room is an absolute mess right now. But, uh, but regardless, uh, I think it's important to make sure you're doing these mock drafts to see what types of players are available and to see how a particular site's ADP affects their draft stock because it absolutely does because people will not do what Jake said earlier and scroll down. Uh, yep. It's just sometimes human nature not to. You look at the screen, they're giving you 10 names, and you're going, okay, well, all right, I like this name the best. And you kind of forget that it's ordered based on an arbitrary ADP on a particular site from a lot of players that don't do the research that, that our listeners do and don't do the research that you think is necessary. So don't worry about what a site's ADP is. Worry as far as where you should take them. Worry about them in terms of value and kind of see, oh, wow, you know, I can get this guy super late. But know your league. Yep. That's, that's, yeah, I got to factor uh, that in. Go ahead, Jake, your final thoughts. I'm going to take my my final thoughts to Berea, Ohio in Brown's camp to a thinner, leaner Baker Mayfield, whose young wife is apparently cooking cleaner and healthier for him. Uh, But he looks phenomenal. I watched some stuff this morning. He looks really good. He's moving really good. Somehow, my point here is somehow it, it missed me that Alex Van Pelt is the offensive coordinator there. As much as I'm up on, I probably knew this, but I forgot it. When I heard it this morning, his former teammate of mine in Buffalo, phenomenal dude, damn good coach. It fits perfectly with what's going on. There's no nonsense guy, but they're going to put him on the move a lot. I loved what I saw with his play action stuff. You're going to see that offense like we've talked about from Minnesota, but Baker looks good, man. I was, uh, yeah. I was really shocked. I was like, that was 
the stuff from last year and we made fun of him with the trench coat and the mustache and he looked like he was in a bad place, man. Like you can't get let yourself get there as the quarterback of a franchise with that much hype when you have that many commercials, but he did. And he looks like he's out of it. And I'm not saying this from a fantasy point of view, it's just like a football thing. The Browns are freaking sneaky, man. Like if he plays really good in this offense, and I think he's now in three offensive coordinators in three years. Yep. Right. He, he's heading towards this Blaine Gabbert. Some of these guys that have been like, it's so hard to get there, but I think this offense fits him better. If you put him on the move, which he throws really, really well on the run, he looks really good. I just, I was kind of excited to see that, but I was really excited to hear Alex Van Pelt's name again with Stefanski as offense coordinator working with Baker in this offense. A couple quick things to note. Um, just, I mean, right now out of Broncos camp, uh, KJ Hamler will be out a couple weeks with a hamstring injury. Just to, I mean, not, not, he's not sure he's a guy who's going in a lot of fantasy drafts outside of best ball. But something to kind of keep an eye. And two other ones where he did not know the severity, but uh, Melvin Gordon uh, injured a rib or has a ribs injury, and Von Miller tweaked his elbow. Uh, but doesn't Vic Fangio does not know the severity of either. So other names to keep in mind. But if you were taking a flyer on KJ Hamler in, in redraft, probably just leave him for the waivers for right now if it's, he's going to miss very valuable practice time uh, as a rookie. Uh, or if you're taking him in best ball, I would – you. I mean, I guess you can still throw him in best ball because there are no waivers there. But, you know, uh, I would say temper your expectations there. Because I know there was a lot of hype because we saw some of the routes he was running. But uh, him missing at least a couple weeks with a hamstring injury, according to head coach Rick Fangio. Uh, unfortunate news. Final thoughts. Keep your drafts to the latest possible moment. I think this last five minutes has been point proven that there's going to be a lot of changes between now and kickoff of the NFL season on who's going to be available, where you're going to rank players. How is that all going to impact your draft? So I hope you're waiting. That's, that, that's the, that's the final part of this podcast uh, from me and shout out Emily who got a shout out from Jake uh, Husker nation's finest Baker's wife. I'm glad to hear that you are uh, cooking, cooking well for uh, Baker at home, and hopefully he keeps his swagger together because that's what we were, that's what we were questioning, um, what happened last year. But on a on a more serious note, he he has talked about how really he was in a funk, a depression at a, at points last year, and it was hard to get out of that. Right, and it's it's kudos to him because this last six months has been hell for everybody. Right, and so I think for him to to really focus on himself and get himself right mentally and physically is, is a, is a sign of maturity. Right. And that's what I wanted to see from him. I wanted to see him be the leader. I wanted to see him be mature. And if he does all those things, I'm all the way back on the Baker shit talking. I'm all the way back on it. Right. You, you do your thing, you mature, you become the leader that we expect to be in the NFL. You go out, you win, you do your thing. You can be swaggy as hell and you better believe we're all going to love it. But what, as we talk about swag over substance, that's not what this podcast is about. We like substance over swag and the swag is still there. You just got to go win and you got to, you got to show us that you can have that substance first. So I'm, I'm happy to see Baker feeling good, looking good and, and being, you know, living up to hopefully the expectations. Cause that's a, that's a hell of a franchise and a franchise that man is starving for a team that can win. And it would be, it's fun. It's fun when the league has teams that have great fan bases that are good. That's the, it's, it's fun when you get to see that. And I know Jake, you know, you know, that fan base. Well, they, they're deserving. That's why it's, I think it, a guy like Alex Van Pelt, who is all substance and zero swag is like <laughs> the perfect dude to be in his ear all the freaking time. Just be the professional. Let those guys do all that shit. Yep. I just like what I saw this morning. I mean, he looked like a different dude. I liked that he was leaner and smaller and he just looked, he looked explosive. Yeah. That was the probably bad because the ball was popping out of his hand. He looked good. I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm excited to see more of what's coming out of Berea. I'm, I'm excited to see it too. I just hope it like, I like, I like the fact that he's got somebody out there that's, that's in his ear. That's not a, uh, that's not telling him throw the, throw the fur coat on and take pictures and look ridiculous. So Jamie, yeah. how can everybody follow you on social media? You can follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. And Jake? Jake B. Arians on Twitter. You guys can follow the show at TDN Fantasy on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram uh, at the Draft Network. You can find everything that Jamie was talking about, thedraftnetwork.com. He's dropping that mock on Friday, Fantasy Friday. Very excited about that content, so be sure that you check it out. And thank you to everybody that's been leaving us reviews. There have been a lot that have been left in the last couple of weeks. Continue to do that, please. It really, really helps us, and we, we appreciate it greatly. So subscribe, review, and enjoy your weekend.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.